Welcome back. This is the Jew Finn with the Geekly Grind. I'm here at PAX West. We're talking to Chris Wright uh, from Poorly Time Games about Grim Tranquility. Recently announced, can you tell me a little bit about this game? Uh, absolutely. So it is a sci-fi tactical RPG with uh, roguelike elements. So what kind of games would you compare this to? Uh, some of the things that we were looking at originally, uh, I'm a big fan of XCOM, uh, Shadowrun, uh, back in the day Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Tactics Ogre. Uh, one of the problems I have is, uh, which I think a lot of gamers understand, is my Steam list is huge and I don't have time to become an expert on all of them. So I'll typically find myself enjoying the story, enjoying the game, and I get to a point where I can't progress any further. Uh, I'm also a really big fan of the roguelike and the roguelite genre. So the idea we had was like, take let's take a little bit of the roguelite mechanics and give kind of that gradual step up. So even if I have a terrible run and my team wipes out, we'll get some gear, we'll get some credits, and that'll help us gear up or go further the next time. Uh, we do have a deep story, so we wanted people to be able to continue to kind of climb up that way. So tell me a little bit about the roguelike elements. Uh, so right now, uh, when your team wipes, uh, you will replace those heroes. Uh, they're similar to kind of the Star Trek red shirts. You'll keep the credits, and uh, we're not ready to talk uh, just yet about the item recovery mechanics, uh, but there will be some way to transfer some of your items uh, between runs. In addition to that, we do have quests that are kind of permanent quests. Once you pick them up, they stay until you either throw them away or complete them, and so you can finish them your current run, the next run, or 700 runs from now, whatever works for you. So then what's the goal of an individual run? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, it really actually depends on your play style. Uh, we, we have kind of a variety of things to jump into. Uh, initially, you're going to want to run, essentially run through until your team wipes so you can build up credits and gear. Uh, you can spend those credits on better weapons and armor. Uh, additionally to that, you can spend the money to recruit higher level heroes. So right now, if you play the game and wipe, You'll start off with a roster of level one heroes. You can spend some of your credits to start hiring higher level heroes. Uh, they'll gain less XP, but you can progress further faster in the game and get further than you were before. And then there's an eventual goal to try to reach the end of the map. Correct. Uh, at the end of each uh, chapter, there is, uh, for most of them, there is a boss fight. And after that, it will open up more options. Awesome. So tell me about some of the tactics involved in this game like what are some of the abilities that people are going to be using a lot uh, sure so we have three unique classes each of which kind of has their strengths and weaknesses uh, we have a breaker which is a combination of melee DPS and tanks uh, putting them at the front of the party uh, you can either have them aim to do more damage than the enemies and wipe them out before they're damaging the rest of your party or kind of tank for everyone else and heal them from behind uh, we have the Artisan, which do range damage, and also they have a variety of heals. And then we have our Oracle, which are also range DPS, but utility. So they have a variety of drones that they can deploy from a distance and either distract, debuff, or do damage to enemies. Now tell me a little bit more about these drones, because there's a really interesting aspect to this that I haven't seen in a lot of other games. Uh, yeah, so the, the inspiration for it was, uh, was kind of pet classes. Uh, we, we wanted something that was a little bit reminiscent of pet classes that also fit with our sci-fi theme. Uh, but what we didn't want is a lot of games that have pet classes become 
pet management classes, and there's enough going on in our game that we wanted them to be relatively self-sufficient. So they're they are generally set and forget. You throw them and they do their thing, and they either last and, until you're finished, or they die and return to you, and you have charges and can uh, send them out later, uh, you know, as they refill. And they also have friendly fire, though. Yes, there are, there are a number of things that have friendly fire. Uh, the drones in general uh, do friendly fire. Some of your abilities do friendly fire. Uh, I will refer to what our, uh, what our design team has said, which is we are usually very careful with how we describe abilities. It is in your best interest to read them. So what are your favorite abilities that you designed for this game? Uh, I, I think my... Pr I'll give, your, I'll give you uh, a hint. Uh, Seismic Smash is a really fun one that may or may not have that friendly fire mechanic. Uh, and depending on the combination of buffs and debuffs you get, it can be a really powerful uh, enemy clearing tool, or it can be a hilarious video for your friends to laugh at because you accidentally wiped your entire team. Uh, that sounds amazing. You talked about these buffs and debuffs. You have a really interesting mechanic for making each run unique. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so in a lot of rogues or roguelikes, they'll have a, a game mode where every day there's a different buff or a different map or something like that. Uh, we, we talked about something like that really early, and uh, the influence system has actually been through uh, five or six rather, rather uh, top-down uh, reworks. The premise has always remained the same. We wanted some way to change how the game plays, but our implementation was different. Uh, I, think, I think our shortest and uh, saddest thing that we didn't do is for about two days we were thinking we might have it be some sort of a card game. And then sadly for our designer, I, I pulled that away from him. Uh, what we landed on is, a, uh, is what we call the influence wheel. Uh, the influence wheel is buffs and debuffs. And uh, the, the ruler of, of this world, uh, of this galaxy actually, um, is an AI. And so to him, randomness is king. So the buffs and debuffs are, are given to you randomly. So every time you play the game, you spin this wheel and you get buffs and debuffs randomly. Uh, right now we have about eight to 10 of each. Uh, for the full game, we are hoping for maybe 30 or so of each so that you could play the game 10, 15 times in a row and never get the same uh, buffs, definitely not the same combination of buffs. Uh, and it really does make the game different from uh, play to play. Sometimes you end up being able to move really fast. Other times you don't, but you can do double damage and you recover your... Uh, your mana or what we call compassion points uh, twice as fast. So it does keep you on your toes and I say this having done demos where I'm not paying attention and then I'm briefly confused before I realize, oh right, I have a different buff than I thought I had. Uh, so it, it really does keep the game fresh. Oh definitely. In fact, in my run I ended up with two buffs that increased the enemy sight line so immediately attacked no matter where I went. But I also had two buffs that made my abilities cheaper and gave me more mana. So I could just spam constantly on everybody. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to us. And uh, one of the things, because we are still early, is we've only really kind of scratched the surface of the buffs and debuffs we want to put in. Uh, part of why they, they, uh, they are rather straightforward at this point is we tried to only put the buffs in there that are going to be visible in this early build. We do have buffs and debuffs in the game that are more reflective of kind of later play. 
Uh, so it's not just something that affects your early game. It can be things that impact your late, your early, mid, or late game. So tell me a little bit more about the story and how that's integrated. I think in a lot of roguelikes, it's the one part, except for Hades, it's the one part that just kind of has trouble integrating into it. So how did you integrate this overarching story? Uh, so the this story actually uh, is partly because uh, in my career I've always worked kind of back of the house. I was in tech and I, I've been in games for 11 years, but I've always been in things that uh, are important to the process, but players never see. And so I wanted to uh, I wanted to, to get my hands dirty with design, and we we had some issues that we wanted to talk about. So uh, climate change is actually uh, one of the main drivers of our game. In fact, it's why our story happens. Uh, the Green New Deal or climate agreement never happens because companies would rather continue to profit. And so the consequence is the earth literally burns. Uh, so uh, at the end of, of kind of our prologue, humans find, uh, they find mysteriously some uh, blueprints to starships and we're able to escape the planet. So a lot of these uh, things are uh, are directly tied into our story and end up being things that uh, weave back in and out of gameplay as well. So when does the story start hitting? When you see different story events coming up? Uh, so right now, uh, just because uh, we do know that it's, it's a bit of a longer build, uh, we just have our prologue in and then there's no story. What happens in the full game is the prologue plays and then you start to get into the actual current story. And so when you go into uh, certain points in the level that are predetermined, for example, uh, you typically on World 1 have two missions and then a settlement. The first time you get to a settlement, part of the story plays. And so they are predetermined um, that tie into events and will be um, things that make sense. Like, oh, the first time I'm getting a settlement, the cinematic about the settlements plays. It sounds amazing. I can't wait to play it. Uh, I know that this is something that you weren't really expecting to be at PAX with a full build. Uh, do you have kind of a timeline to when you're going to re release a demo or early access or... Uh, so early access is something we're still actively talking about. Uh, currently, we are fully self-funded. Uh, we are uh, interested in talking to publishers. Uh, publisher funding would allow us to put an extra level of polish on, but it would impact the timeline. So right now, what we're willing to say is uh, 2022 is when we're aiming for a full release. Uh, we are planning on having at least one or two uh, demos that will be playable by the public, but we don't have a timeline on that just yet. Well, we're looking forward to checking it out when it comes out. Thank you so much for taking the time out today. Thank you. I appreciate it.